from all tribes and peoples and languages, all diversity, total diversity, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, come on, isn't that fantastic? Isn't that a fantastic thought? Nobody has the inside edge with God. He receives all who come to Him based on our walk with Him. And you know what? I love this about this Diversity Sunday. Because, you know, we all come from different places in life. You know, depending on who you are, your walk with God is unique and tailor-made to you. Some of us come, me, because of where I come from and my background and my makeup and all the rest, the, the thing that I focus on most or that's the most foundational for me throughout my Christian life has really been about living life forward, about living by faith and keeping going forward. Sowing for tomorrow, sowing the right seeds, being God conscious and living by faith and going forward. For others, it's, it's about um, renewing the mind. And some people get incredible revelations and they can teach incredible truths about how to renew the mind and the importance of renewing the mind and others, it's other things. And, and, but we come together and this is why, saints, we must not forsake the gathering of ourselves right because we come together and each one brings something to the table and we come with our diversity and we merge we get into harmony like that orchestra this morning while I was singing I was I just became aware that I was singing I was getting I was really enjoying it and getting caught up in it and I was kind of going a bit ahead of the words because I knew them and I realized slow down you're probably putting everybody else off get into unity with don't nod at me like that Andrew I wasn't putting you off <laughs> I realized slow down and get into the same step as everybody else and that is what we do when we come together as the church you bring something that's unique to you the, what, what, what the way God has fashioned you your walk with God is unique to your personality and your life and that's what we do. We come together. But for me, like I say, it's about this life of faith. It's about life in the Spirit, sowing right seed for today. So this, this week, we're going to continue on on the theme of running our best lap yet. Because we are going to. If there was ever a time we needed to be all in, it's now. If this isn't the season, then I don't know. We all in all, we might as well go home. Honestly, hey? So we are going to run our best lap. We are not going home. We are not giving up. We are not quitting. We are going to run our best lap yet. And I think we're doing real good. Thank you, Jesus. So 2 Peter 1, chapter 3 to, to 9 is, 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 is our text that we're going through for this particular subsection of the series. And it says that from the ESV, it says, His divine power has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Just pause there. Isn't that a fantastic thought? That God has called you to his own glory and excellence. What is God's agenda? What is God's motive? It's to call you to his own glory and excellence, to call you to himself, to come and have relationship with him. He has no false agenda. He's got no hidden motives other than to draw you into his own glory and excellence. You know, the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. That's what he's drawing you into, church. That is where his calling on your life is to come, live close to him, walk with him, live in his presence. And he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, so that through them, through what? These precious and great promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. 
It's going to take a walk of faith. God has given us his promises, his precious and great promises, so that through them you might become partakers. So you're going to have to believe God and take him at his word and take a step of faith. Not a blind leap of faith, just, oh, well, let's just see what happens if I do this. No, no, based on the knowledge of God that you have, Faith begins with the knowing will of God. You can't have faith for, if you don't know it's the will of God, that's foolishness or presumption. But if you know it's the will of God, you can take a step out of faith in that through His divine promises which He's given to us and through that become partakers of the divine nature. Come on, Romans 8.29 says what? That we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. God says he wants you to become partakers. And Sandy was sharing on that so nicely last week, saying about partaking, that it's like, often we're going to partake of food later, we're going to eat. You're going to consume that, get that inside of you. We can become, it can have that inside of us. Be like, have his divine nature. Be conformed to them of Jesus. Uh, so have, having corrupt, the, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, New King James says that is in the world because of lust. Not, not just sexual lust, but just it's beautiful, I want it, it's mine. Lust, I want for me. But we've escaped that. We've escaped that, praise God. For this, very, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. I like that. Supplement your faith with virtue. New King James says add to your faith virtue. But I like this word supplement. Supplement is like a, an athlete who, who trains, they've done all the things, they've, 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 they've trained, they've got strong, they've got fit, and then they take supplements. This is supplementing your faith. Your faith is the, the base level, but you add nutrients to it, you supplement it with virtue, that moral excellence that Sandy spoke of. And, with, and to virtue, knowledge, getting knowledge of God, the understanding of God, and knowledge with self-control, and we're going to speak about self-control now. Self-control with steadfastness steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Listen to this, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you can, James says, if they are bound, but this says, if these are yours and are increasing, do you know what the point is this, is that you never arrive. We are all a work in progress. I, I don't care if you've been saved for a day or 30 years, you are a work in progress, or you ought to be. As long as we are increasing in our knowledge of God and increasing in our walk with God, I don't care if it's by an inch or a yard, as long as we are moving forward, anywhere but backwards, anywhere but backwards, we have got to be keeping moving forward with God. And as long as we are moving forward, we are, these qualities are ours, and they are increasing, and they will keep you from being ineffective. Who wants to be ineffective? Why, why bother? Who wants to be ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? I just, I absolutely love this, this text. You know, God wants you to be fruitful. He desires that you and I bear good fruit, much good fruit, he says in, in, in John. So today, I didn't even start. <laughs> it's classic. I still got 35 minutes. So today we're talking about self-control, not self-discipline. And I know that they're very, very similar, but to me there is there, an important difference in that self-discipline is about, it's more about managing my time, being disciplined and managing things. Whereas today we're actually talking about self-control. Now, we live in a, in, a, in a fluid world. Life is fluid. You, you don't know what's going to happen today. The, the random conversations you have with people, the random acts that happen in your day, life is fluid. And we need to be exercising self-control in all of those circumstances which you cannot plan for. 
you're moving forward into, a, into the unknown constantly, and we don't know what lies before us. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that to everything there is a season, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to, 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 to laugh. There, there's a time, to, you know, there's a time to, to build up, and there's a time to break down. To, to everything there is a season, to everything there is a purpose in life. And so life is constantly changing. It's constantly fluid. And we are always moving forward into the unknown territory. And so to get to where we need to be, where God is taking us for his plan and purpose for your life, and you've got to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are not just one of the crowd. You're not, you're not just a, a number. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and how you live it matters. And he cares about you, and he's got a purpose for your life. And so to get to that place, you're going to have to exercise self-control as you make your daily choices. Because you're going to be encounter choices after choices. I mean, come on, I'm, this is obvious stuff, right? You're going to have choices on a constant basis every day and the choices you make are going to determine where you get up where you end up we don't control the future you know case sera sera you know the future's not ours it's, it's you know um yeah the future's not ours you see but and it's not we don't control the future but you sow into it you sow into you, you it, it, listen if you, if you go and and you you know so bad see now you go gets pregnant God will forgive her, there's grace, there's kindness, he'll take care of her, but there's still a child to take care of. There is still sowing and reaping. You're still going to have consequences to the way you live now, whatever it is, whether that's good or bad. So you don't control the future, but you can dictate whether it's going to, you're going to have good or bad stuff coming up, whether you're going to be harvesting what you've sown. And so we get to choose today by exercising self-control, by walking in the knowledge of God that we have today, how that future is going to look to us to at least a good extent whether we're going to have a good harvest to reap from. In the Bible, there's, there's a story, um, you've probably all heard Pastor Andy preach, often will bring up the sons of Issachar. I mean, it's just a th almost a throwaway verse in, in, in First Chronicles about these guys, the sons of Issachar, who understood the times that they lived in. And it says how they did what was needed at that time. I believe that A came after B in this, in this situation that they understood the times that they lived in because they did what was required. Because they were living in what they needed to do now with self-control and the knowledge of God and the knowledge of His ways, in the season they were in, they got understanding. Jesus says, to whom who has, more will be given. And if you will step out and do what God has told you to do in the season you are in, He will give you understanding. The understanding will come. Discernment will come. Wisdom will come. But you have to do what He's called you to do now in the season you find yourself, and you have to exercise self-control to do it, not just going with anything. There are so many things out there that you could get involved with. You know, somebody said recently, if you're one of those people who say, there aren't enough hours in the day for me, then you're doing something God hasn't called you to do. Because God won't call you to do more than you can do in the day. So you need to exercise self-control because your, your yes to A means a no to B because you can't be in two places at the same time, right? So you've got to exercise self-control. You've got to have discernment. We have got to be living intentionally in a very fluid world, making the right decisions. And so last week, Sandy was talking about adding knowledge to your virtue, and she was saying about knowledge, that we want knowledge, we, want the, we need to get knowledge, the 
Proverbs says that the get, get, all you're getting, get understanding, which obviously comes from knowledge. You get the knowledge, you get the understanding. And Sandy expounded on that last week, a really good message about loving God's word, but not just loving the knowledge of his word, but the loving, the doing of his word, the practicality of his word. And, and you know, to me, it isn't the doing of the word that, that, that oftentimes we, we stumble over the rock that is Christ. Because it's in doing God's word that you discover uh, things about yourself that you didn't know. They were always there, but you just didn't know it until you stumbled over him in trying to do his word. Easy example, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Yeah? I want to be like the disciples. Lord, let's call down fire from heaven. Smite them. Get rid of them. And Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. You don't call fire down from heaven. You love your enemies. And so in trying to love my enemies, just to cooperate with God, not by, by behavior modification, not by becoming weird and becoming a doormat, still, still standing for what is right and yet trying to cooperate with God and learn from God, how do I love my enemies? What does it look like? What does it feel like? You, you, you start to recognize that there is a, there is a price to be paid, that, that there has to be this, this di, is it divesting of self. Is that the right word? Like, like an emptying of self. Like, like, like John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he may increase. There has to be a letting go of self to have more of God, to do it God's ways. And you start to realize that there is a price to be paid. There is a cost and, and you lose something. But as you lose something, you gain everything. In the process, there's this divine exchange that happens. You lose this, you let go of this, but God gives you everything. And you get understanding and you start to get uh, terms of reference who God really is. You start to understand, just, 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 just vaguely, what did it cost the father to withdraw, to stand back and to let his son go to the cross? A cross for you and me. To let his son die my blood. What did it cost the father? When, when you are learning to love your enemies like God did, for he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. Right? Would you let your son die for, for your enemy? Not a chance. But God did. What did it cost him? And, and when you learn to love your enemies and you realize that the, 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 you, you stumble over Christ and you stumble over your inability to do that, you learn something, just a little glimmer of God, the, the cost, the, the price that it cost God. And you get a, an, an idea, just a, just a terms of reference about when you read that God is good and you read that God is merciful and he forgives his enemies, you've kind of got a little terms of reference now, just the vaguest, how God can be like that. So instead of just reading it and it being head knowledge that God loves me, now you get a bit of an understanding. You, you, you're starting to walk in his ways. You're starting to abide and take on and partake of that divine nature that he's called us to. God is good. God is faithful. God is merciful. And he changes not. And we start to understand that he changes not because his agenda is always good. His agenda is always good. There is no, so there's nothing for him to change. This is his agenda. He's going straight down the line. So he doesn't change. He's doing what he, he, he is, who he is. And he is good. And he is merciful and compassionate and gracious and kind and all the things that he said about himself. 
So he doesn't change, because that is who he is. He's not, I'm putting on a show because now I'm with Byron, and now I'm going to be one of the boys, and now we're with Byron, and now I'm you know, with Sandy, and I'm going to be the, you know, a, di- a different person because now I'm your husband. And we're so different. You know, God is the same. He, he, he is who he is. There is no changing with him. But you start to understand this as you do his word. To him who has, to him who has, more will be given. You won't have unless you do. Jesus said, for those who abide in my word will know the truth, and the truth will make them free. But it's for those who abide in his word, who live, do it. Not hearers only, doers of the word. Then, and only then, will you know the truth experientially for yourself. And that truth will make you free. So, we, 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 so Sandy was speaking about adding the knowledge of God, getting to, to, your, to your virtue, to your moral goodness. It's adding it onto moral goodness. It's adding it onto your faith. And, and so in doing that, you add this experiential knowledge of God, not head knowledge, onto who God is. The thing is, you, you don't know anything until you do it. It's true. You, we don't know anything until we actually do it. We all like to think, if I was in that circumstance, if I was him, if I was there, I would say this, or I would do that. Right, well, go there and do it, and see what you do. Because we're all like that to some extent, you know, to some degree. What, what we believe means nothing unless we're actually doing it. And, and I, this, this one quote, I don't know who said it, was, your dream will remain on the pillow until you do something about it. It is. Your dreams are going to stay on the pillow unless you do something about it. There's no good sitting around waiting on God, waiting for God to do something about it when he's already started the fire. If, 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 it's, if it's something that God has placed in your heart, he's already started the process by giving you that unction within you, that desire within you. Do it. Take a step forward. When you do what you, only you can do, God will do what you can't do. God will do what only God can do. But you have to take that step and do what God has called you to do. Living forward with self-control, restraint, Restraint and not, not being all uptight like a metronome. We don't get all religious and weird. Just, 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 just do what's right in the situation. So, we're going to live forward. We're going to live by faith, trusting on God to do what we can't do. Now, the Bible says, I'll try and st- stay with me here. I'm taking the slight turn to the right, but I'm staying with this. I've got, I'm trying to go somewhere. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Right? As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So how do we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Well, we received Him by faith in His grace. We, 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 we heard the gospel, we heard the good news that Jesus had died for our sins, that He had gone at our place, and that He had paid the price for all the sin of the world, and that if we would accept Him and be in Him, then we could say when we, when we fell that, no, hold on, that's what I did, but it's paid, Jesus has paid the price, justice is satisfied, I'm good. And we, we exercised faith in the grace of God who had made provision for us to have life with Him, to make us, to wash away the, 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 the past from us. So we saved by grace through faith in Him. And now, and now you've, now, now you've lost your place. Talk about self-control. So now you're living by, by, by faith in the grace of God, right? And, and we read in, in, in the book of Hebrews, the writer Hebrews tells us that, that the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from an evil, cleanses you from an evil conscience so that, so that you can serve the living God. You've got to be cleansed of a conscience. You can't walk around with a defiled conscience feeling guilty and, and serve God. 
The Bible says that it cleanses you from a guilty conscience. He says in Romans 8, he says, there's no condemnation for you. In fact, he says, he says further on, it's, it's God who justifies you. God justifies, God is the one who justifies you. Because ju justice is being satisfied in Jesus. He's, he's paid the price. God is the one who justifies you. But the purpose, the purpose of this all is that we may become partakers of the divine nature. The purpose of this all is that we might fulfill what the Bible calls the righteous requirements of the law. Not becoming legalistic and, and law-bound, but fulfill the righteous requirement, that, that holy purpose for which the law was sent. That is the purpose of God cleansing us from, this, from an evil conscience. That is the purpose of God just putting His grace upon our lives that when we fail, we can get up and move forward again with Him so that we can become like He is. We can partake of His nature that we can fulfill this holy requirement of the law. So how do we do it? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 8, the best chapter in the Bible, according to me, so whatever. But anyway, Romans chapter 8. I like the ESV. I've always been a New King James, but ESV has just kind of opened this up a little bit, and it's very accurate as well, apparently. Um, it says, from verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the, flow, of, of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot. Those who are on the flesh cannot please God. What does the writer of Hebrews says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here he says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And if you, if you drop down to verse 12, it says, So then, brothers and sisters, brethren and sisterin, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is written to us. This isn't written to people who, who, who are unbelievers or who don't have faith in Jesus yet. This is written to, to believers. You and I need to choose self-control. We need to choose, what am I setting my affections on? It's not about being weird and, you know, constantly, you know, uh, I'm trying to memorize scripture while I'm trying to do my job at work. I just, yeah, I can't do that, right? I've got to get on with my day's job. And I've got to encounter the people that I'm encountering and all the random things that happen during the day, right? But, but within that there, I'm setting my affection on God. He is still the one that I want to please. I live for him. My mind is set on, on pleasing God, not to, earn his, not to earn his acceptance. He's already accepted me. He's, he's proven that to me over and over. You know, one, one of the, 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 I don't know, if, has anybody ever been rebuked of the Lord? Because I tell you what, when I was a, a young Christian, I've been saved for about three years, and I experienced it for the first, only one of two times. And I'll just tell you just a quick testimony. Um, I'd been saved for a few years. My head was, in, I was in a real bad place before I got saved. My head was a real mess. Um, and while I was doing a, a course, I took a, a gap year between Bible school, first and second year, and I did a course called EE3, Evangelism Explosion 3. And within that course, you had a first six months, you were a trainee, second six months, you were a trainer, you had a couple of trainees with you. 
Anyway, the one night we, went, we, we, we didn't have anyone to go out and visit to share the gospel with, so we went to my old landlady who'd, who was, who'd been a Christian for donkey's years, just for my trainees to, to, to practice the gospel presentation on her. And they were sitting in a corner of the lounge over there, and I was sitting over here listening to them do this presentation. And as I sat there, I just experienced this, this, this absolute peace, this sense of well-being that I just hadn't experienced since I was probably in primary school. Uh, I started smoking dope at a very young age when I was 12, 13 years old, and it just messed my head up, and I looked paranoid for the next, I don't know how many years. And I experienced the sense of peace that I just, I just, it was a peace that surpasses all understanding. And as I sat there, tears literally started running down my face. Not, I wasn't crying, really, but just the tears were running. And I felt so, I felt, oh, please don't let them look down. I, I didn't want anyone to see me, I just, but just this peace that just came over me, and I said, oh God, now I know you love me. And as sharp as that, I just felt a rebuke. I just felt it was almost like an audible voice. It wasn't, but it was almost. This has got nothing to do with my love for you. I loved you from the time I saved you. I always have, I always will. It was like an audible voice. This is a result of what you've been sowing in your life. This is a result of the way you've been living your life. And I have stopped from that day on. I have never judged God by my experiences again, but how I feel. God's word is true. When God says he loves you, he loves you. You can take him at his word. Don't be judged by your circumstances. Life is fluid. People will come into your life and they will throw you a curveball that you didn't see coming. And you will doubt God. Where is God? No, God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He doesn't change because his agenda doesn't change. He is who he says he is. He is straight down the line. There is no changing. There is no shadow of turning with God. So, we need to exercise self-control in this fluid life. And I'm sorry if I got a little bit off on that. One of the best examples of exercising the self-control was David. Uh, King David, I mean, he's just such a fantastic godly man. From the Old Testament, wasn't even born again, didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling him, but he had the Spirit of God come upon him. But a man of character, a man after God's own heart. And there's an account in the Bible, we won't read it just because of time's sake, but... Um, where David is running from King Saul, and Saul is wanting to kill him. David and his men take refuge in the, in the recess in the back of, a, of this cave network, and, and, and Saul and his men are right there. In fact, Saul comes into the cave while David and his men are hiding at the back. King Saul comes in there, and he goes and relieves himself in a corner of the cave, and then lies down and has a nap in the cool of the cave before going out. And while he's lying there sleeping, David's men to say to him, here's your chance, go kill him. This is the guy that's trying to wipe us out. And David crawls forward and he takes his, his knife and he cuts off a corner of Saul's garment. And he withdraws and Saul wakes up and, and exits. And, he, and, and as Saul is down in the valley or whatever, David shouts out to him and says, My Lord, my Lord, look, look, here I am. Here I'm the, here's the one you, you're hunting. Why do you doubt me? Look, check the corner of your robe. Look at my hand. Here is the corner of your robe. Your life was in my hands. Why are you desiring to kill me? And, and, and Saul repents. He says, oh, David, my son, I'm sorry, sorry, you're more righteous than me. And he packs up his army and goes home for a season. Self-control. Self-control. Because, of his, because God, David said he would not raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. He respected whom God had put in position. He respected God, not the person, but whom God had put there. God had put that man there as king, and it was up to God to remove him, not David. David wouldn't take justice into his own hands. And he trusted God to be his defender, to be his protector, to be his justifier. A fantastic example of self-control. 
of self-control, but based on a relationship with God. It's not just a, it's not just a blind step into, into the unknown. It's not just a leap of faith. It's based on his relationship with God, which has taken time to develop since he was that young boy tending sheep where he fought the lion and he fought the bear and he saw God's protection before he fought Goliath. It's, it's progressive. It's progressive. But wherever we are now, as long as we are ever increasing, ever increasing, just keep going forward. The thing is, it's not about perfection because drift does happen. As, as Sandy was saying last week, you know, evil comes in small steps. If it arrived all at once, you'd recognize it and you wouldn't fall for it, right? But it comes in four steps, small steps. Drift happens. Drift happens so easily. I mean, David, again, example, he, he still fell after all of this. He goes and falls. He, he, he commits adultery. He, he takes another man. He's got his own wives. Wives, plural, concubines, right? He sees another man's wife. He says, oh, I want her as well. Takes it, but at the expense of that man, and it has the guy killed so that he can have his wife. Uh, talk, about, talk about messing up big time, right? But, and it took time, but he did repent. He did come back to his senses. And you and I, we can, we can mess up. We can, we can really blow it. But when you come back to your senses, when you come back, you know, like Jesus, he spoke to um, Peter uh, but before his crucifixion. He says, Satan has desired to sift you, but I've prayed that your faith wouldn't fail you. And when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. You know, when you return, when you come to your senses, if you've messed up, when you come back to your senses, take control of your, take control of your choices. You can, yesterday's failure doesn't disqualify you from taking control of your life today. I don't care what happened yesterday or this morning. It doesn't disqualify you from starting again right now right now whatever that moment in time is you can start again that nothing disqualifies you god is the one who justifies you he is for you you can pick up again dust yourself off get up make right choices for tomorrow in the life that you're living right now turn back to your due north and take control of yourself and i'm just going to close with this proverbs 16 32 from the new king james says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his own his spirit, his own spirit, than he who takes a city. It talks about a it talks about a captain or a, 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 an, an army leader controlling and capturing a city. He who rules his own spirit, who has self control, is mightier than he who can take a whole city with an army.